We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett, former K-State wide receiver. And uh, unfortunately, we are talking about a third straight K-State loss today, but we are going to break down all things K-State, Iowa State, and look forward to a road trip now for the Wildcats going to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Frustrating game for sure, and I know a lot of you that were there were probably, one, drinking 360 vodka throughout the day, getting ready for a night game, but two, you may have needed some extra after the game to drown your sorrows, perhaps throughout this week as well. Uh, I can certainly understand that. But whatever it is, whatever mood you're in, whatever it is that you need it for, 360 Vodka has you covered. Endless cocktail creations, craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions. 360 has your drink of choice covered. The only vodka responsible enough to carry the world on its shoulders. And they do a great job helping us out here at KCSN and the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Certainly appreciate their support. You guys show some love to them as well. All right, Aaron, 33-20, to 20, K-State goes down at the hands of Iowa State. Um, I think for for starters, one takeaway that I do have from this game is that Iowa State is still a pretty good team. Uh, yeah. It was easy to write them off after two losses when they had such high expectations. But, you know, you look back on it, they outgained both Baylor and Iowa, the two teams that they lost to by almost 200 yards. In each game, it was just turnovers and special teams mistakes that really led to those losses. I, I think what we found out on Saturday is that Iowa State is still going to be a part of the Big 12 Conference title race, unfortunately, K-State has some issues, too, that, that certainly need to be rectified. Yeah. Slow start. I mean, that's about as, as simple as you can say it, right? Right off the bat, 75-yarder, um, put you in the hole. We just don't have the firepower today as a comeback team. And so that was one of the things we couldn't give up was just, you know, not only field position, but early scores. And so you mix that in with turnovers later on, and we just found ourselves um, behind the curve, and we struggled to ever really be – um, in a position where we can take advantage of the game. Yeah, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I, I found very interesting. I mean, obviously, the, the tone setter for the game is a 75-yard touchdown run from Brees Hall on the first play from scrimmage. And after the game, Felix Anadike Uzama, K-State's star defensive end, said basically that Iowa State came out in a formation that they had seen before, that, but they blocked the play differently, and that threw off K-State's gap assignments, and that's how it turned into a 75-yard touchdown run. And Chris Kleiman basically said the same thing. But your thoughts just on what you saw from that play and, like, how common is that? You know, you had two coaching staffs that were both coming off of a bye week and, and Iowa State, Matt Campbell, who is 
he's definitely a good coach. Um, yeah. they, they came up with something. They cooked up one that, that got K-State there on the first play. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, um, you know, whether you pull a guard or, or make the tackle slide down, whatever it is that can get the defense uh, off definitely can happen. But on the back end, though, as soon as he gets through that hole, right, we've got to find a way to get him out of bounds. Like, But, you know, as you mentioned, Brees has the talent. I think it, it just – it just showcased how fast he is, how good he is, great feet, patience. And so um, didn't expect that to happen at the first play. Honestly, from an athlete standpoint, you barely warmed up the first play. Like it's just the first play is yeah. just something, which is why you don't see a lot of deep balls the first play of the game. You don't see a 55-yard post first play because people are not warmed up, right? Even though you went through warm-ups, it's still the game mode. And so normally it's just a little handoff to the back or a quick pass to get them going, but – which I think that was a run play. But once he hit the hole, Brees turned it on um, and made me a believer once again that he is definitely one of the best running backs in the nation. But from a mental standpoint, it seemed to linger with the team because they wound up giving up uh, an interception. Skylar Thompson throws an interception, a ball that kind of went through Malik Knowles' hands. And then Iowa State kicks a field goal and it's 10 to nothing, just like that. As a player, when you get punched in the mouth right away like that on the first play of the game, how tough is it to not get – shell shots as it you know I guess I shouldn't speak so much for the team but it did seem like it it definitely just took some buzz out of the environment and out of everybody that was there in in the stadium it was definitely a gut shot I mean but it was also just seven points right and so whether it was a 15 play drive or the first play of the game it's just seven points and so we still had a chance to come back and really make some things happen but the turnover getting down 10 though now you're down two possessions now you start to panic a little bit early in the first quarter you start to press and once again the way that we're built, we're not built to come from behind always. And so I think that that put us on the on the defense a little bit. Um, changed the game plan, made us play from behind. And then offensively, um, for Iowa State, you got a chance to see what a mature quarterback looks like. They can move the chains with the running back. And then that tight end just continued to show me play after play after play while he'll be successful at the next level. Yeah, I mean – <laughs> they, they have two tight ends that are just excellent. Yeah. And, and I mean, they, they went to them early and often. I mean, they, they definitely have weapons. You can see that that's a, that's a really, really talented team. You know, the, the ball to Malik Knowles that did get intercepted. I'm curious for your take on that because I know, at least in like my group chats, you know, the people I was sitting next to in the press box, there was a lot of debate there. Like, okay, was that, was that more on Skyler? Is that more on Malik? Is that a throw that should be made? Is that a ball that should be caught? I, to me, it just seemed like so in between. I'm like, I don't know. The throw probably could have been a little better, but it's a tough right. one, though, and maybe that's a catch that should be made. I, how did you see that play? It was a, it was a high throw, right? And, and so Malik got his hands on it, made an effort for it uh, at the tip end of it. And it was just a tip pick. And so, obviously, if he, if he picks it, uh, if he tips it, I mean, and it goes to the ground, it's not really a conversation. But because it got picked, there's always somebody to say, okay, is it on the quarterback, is it on the receiver? But it was definitely a high throw that came out. Uh, probably caught Malik off guard a little bit that it wasn't right where he was expecting it. And so, you know, the combination of those two things just led to, you know, no completion. But their interception is just DB being in the right place. The tip drill, they do it all the time for DBs. Made an excellent play. Uh, you know, big turnover for his team and lost field position. So it was like a double whammy. Not only was it a turnover, but we gave up field position along with momentum. And so because of that, those plays tend to linger longer than you expect them to. Now, the good news is, I mean, after that, they say did settle down and it, it felt like had control of the game there for a little right. while. They, they score a touchdown. You get the bomb to Phillip Brooks, um, which was a really well-designed play and a double move. Like that, yeah. Yeah, the protection held up. Skyler threw a great ball. And and then, bam, you get the ball back and you're driving. And to me, the, the real turning point of the game is K-State getting no points out of a drive that went pretty deep into Iowa State territory when it was 10-7. to 7. 
And you had, I mean, there was a lot that happened there where, you know, one, there's a debatable holding call that was missed slash pass interference kind of toward the end zone when Tyrone Howell um, was there in the end zone. Uh, yeah. And then you, you miss a field goal. And again, you talk about plays that just kind of suck the life out of it. It, it felt yeah. like, hey, man, if you're back tied after how bad the start was at that point in the game, like game on, let's go. And unfortunately, none of that worked out. K-State wound up with zero points. And then it was it was really Iowa State just in control from there. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. You talk about the Tyrone Howe play, right? Running the, the deep post and the guy was just kind of standing there, right? And so he tries to go around him, get some hands on him. But, you know, those are hit and miss calls. And that's and sometimes they go your ways and sometimes they don't. But the missed field goal is one of those situations where it's just like you drove so deep and you didn't get a touchdown. You at least got to get some points on the board, especially how we started. And when that doesn't happen, that's another one of those gut shots. And it just becomes deflating. And so it's, it's just a scenario where – when you're playing a team like Iowa State who can who can move the chains, uh, who can hold the ball, who can run, run, pass, and they just methodically move themselves down the field, you've got to score when your opportunities come because you may not, as you saw later on in the game, touch the ball in a quarter more than once. Yeah. And when that happens, it's not much you can do at all except just wait for your turn. I do want to insert a little bit of positivity here. Uh, speaking of Tyrone Howell, I mean, he was making more of an impact, and that, that yep. is somebody that Chris Kleiman had mentioned previously during the week, had a good bye week, and that they were perhaps feeling more comfortable with getting him some reps and some opportunities. Um, what, what do you see out of him? I mean, I, he's got great hands and certainly a great body. I think the question has always been, like, can he get separation? And, and can he learn the playbook, which obviously coming in from Juco, that right. could be a tough adjustment. But I, I don't know. To me, it seems like that could, that can be a positive development during the back half of the season. You know, in my brief conversations with uh, Cody Cook, who's a receiver coach at Hutch, uh, spoke very highly of him. And so, obviously, Hal's from the state of Oklahoma, too. And so, I had a chance to speak to Hal after the Stanford game. And so, the talent is there. I think when he signed with Kansas State, there was some buzz, hoping that he can get on the field and start to make some things happen. Of course, it takes time to get acclimated, not only into, you know, the, the playbook, but also the culture of what Kansas State is and how Klein is running this team. And so, this makes sense now, right? You, you talk about coming to Kansas State. You know, right around the August time frame, September time frame, and then now about five, six games into the season, he's starting to feel comfortable, hit it, hit his stride a little bit, and so I think we'll start to see him make more plays. Honestly, from a receiver standpoint, I think we've done very well this year. We've made some plays, a couple of 50-50 balls we didn't come down with, but Brooks is starting to make plays across the middle. He's starting to go, uh, you know, the OU play where he scored a touchdown. Landry obviously has stepped up, almost catches everything in sight. Um, how is starting to make some plays. And so obviously Knowles has a talent um, to make those plays. So from a receiver standpoint, I think we're making that transition that we're looking for as far as having some big plays down the field. We just got to find ourselves to be a little bit more of a home run team to where we can take 170 or 80 and then open it up because then the run game were there. But the one-two punch from Irvin and Deuce is obviously there. We just have to figure out a way to consistently put it together. We've seen hot pockets, but consistently do it. And I think that's the challenge we're having now as offense. Yeah. I mean, and just some plays, they are, they're pretty close, man. I mean, it's just, it's frustrating. Almost some there. Little yeah. things, like the play that comes to mind. I mean, Phillip Brooks, you, you bring up like a guy that did make some plays. He had obviously the long touchdown catch. And then another one that looked like it was almost headed for being a touchdown. He, he wound up fumbling the ball out of bounds, but then the whole thing comes back on review because you look back and you see, Skyler's throw was low enough that it skimmed the ground, you know, yeah. when he went to go pick it up off the turf. And that's that's another one where it's just like, man, you're so close. And and this team doesn't have quite the talent edge to give it the margin for error to survive things like that. Yeah. But, you know, if that play goes differently, that's one of those plays that really could start to tip the scales in the game. So like you are, you're seeing the potential. Phillip Brooks made a great move. 
was rocketing down the sideline, but it just is not quite there. You're having little things go wrong. Yeah. You know, getting down early doesn't allow for those later mistakes that happen for us, right? You know, I think Phillip hit a 10-yard out, uh, you know, Skyler threw a great ball, and he mishandled that one, right? And so I think that was a, a third down that would have made a difference there. So it's those kind of moments that you can't have happen when you're down 10-0 or when you get down early. And so because of that, we find ourselves pressing a little bit. And so I think just overall, the talent is there. We, we've seen it. We've played with with the OUs and the OSUs of the world and now even the Iowa States. And I think it's just a matter of consistently putting it together. And so we need a win. I mean, that's that's about as black and white as it can be, right? And so regardless of how it comes, we just need that for internal motivation. And so the team's doing everything they need to do. I'm sure at practice they're going through all of this, looking at film study. But when it comes game day, we got to find a way to get a W on the board. And that will answer some of the questions we're looking for. Yeah, you know, one more thing I would ask about in particular, as far as what's happening on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I mean, they, they were able to, I thought actually, you know, I mean, it's crazy because Brees Hall wound up with, I believe, a 200-yard rushing day, if not, it was yeah. close. But for a lot of the game, they did a pretty decent job with him, but they, the issue to me continues to be third down. They're, they're 118th in the country in third down conversion rate, and... Iowa State was 9 for 15. It was, I believe, 9 for 12 at one point before it turned into 9 for 15. And and that was where it just felt like a killer. I mean, every time they needed six or seven yards, they're getting, you know, I mean, just barely getting it. There's Brock Purdy threading the needle into the end zone just beyond the outstretched arms of Julius Brents, who's he's there. He's playing great defense. And Chris Kleiman commented on that this week. Like, Brents has been in position, and he's, like, (laughs) there to make the play. It's just not quite happening. And so – He's saying it's hard for me to just crush the guy because he he is there. He's doing the right things, but they're just not quite able to make those plays on third down. Yeah, no, you just got to keep plugging. It's just one of those moments in the season where you can't get down on yourself. You got to find some things that work for you. Um, you've got to focus on the next game. You know, I 100% agree with climbing on that end. You can't really dwell on the losses that we've had. You, you take some learnings from them, and you got to keep moving forward because um, Texas Tech is going to be another opponent, right? They're going to throw the ball. And so you've got to find a way – to just start making that play. You got to take some chances. And, and so I would love to see us play more man-to-man. Um, put us out there. If they beat us deep, they beat us deep. But it gives us an opportunity. With, with uh, Julius being so long at six foot four, I know a lot of them are banged up right around the hands with, with him. Um, but if you can get your hands on some of those guys, make it a tight throw, right? Put So you don't put the safeties in so much of a hard position because, honestly, Jay Mack was there on a lot of plays against the tight end, right? The 10-yard outs, but – Somehow Purdy got it in there and made the catch and they moved the chains. And so we just got to figure out a way to start making those plays. Otherwise, we're going to always find ourselves saying, mm, we were just one step away. But that's not really good enough for the Big 12 anymore. Yeah. And I mean, to to that end, hey, the first three opponents here in Big 12 play, they're a combined 17 and two right now. They, they all look like very good teams. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are unbeaten. As a player... Uh, can you can you take solace in that and, and be like, look, man, this the schedule is. I know you know you're supposed to be one day at a time and all that, but it, if you do look at it, they're human. I mean, the schedule is going to ease up a little bit here over the next month compared to what it, it's been, at least on paper. I don't know how much how much solace is there to take in that if if you're a player here at this point. If you're a player, you want to play the big dogs. That's what you want. That's that's what it is. Like you always want to play the top dogs. That's how you get notoriety. That's how you get your name out there. That's how you can understand. How good are you, right? Nobody wants to play the cupcake teams. That's why it's important to play in a conference that has competition. So when you look at your schedule, you've got Oklahoma State, you've got OU, you've got Iowa State, you got to get up for those games. Like Those are the games that matter. 
right? Playing the KUs of the world, if we had two two of those back-to-back, -back, that doesn't do much for you. Um, and I say that only because KU hasn't turned the corner either in the last couple of years, right? And so um, those are the games that you find out what your team is really made of. And so luckily for us, the Big 12 is competitive across the board. And so there's no difference between the Texas Techs and the TCUs. And here comes the Baylors, right? Five and one. Like, you're going to have to get up and play these. Or you're going to find yourself at the bottom of the barrel of the Big 12. And that's not where you want to be um, when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to maintaining your players. Like, you've got to find a way to start winning some games, whatever that means. Um, don't have the answers myself. I watch the game like many other people. There's talent out there. We just got to find a way to put it together. We've got to come up with a win at the end of the day. Well, along those lines, I mean, I, I think winning cures all and winning is something that definitely needs to happen. It's been, I mean, K-State has lost eight straight Big 12 games now going back to last year. And it's been almost a full calendar year since the last Big 12 win that they've had. By the, it'll be 364 days by the time they kick off against Texas Tech. And so you, you can sense, I mean, there's some frustration there. Okay. I thought Kleiman was as short, really, in his postgame press conference after the game on Saturday as I've really seen him in the time that, that I've been covering him. And then he had, he had this quote today. I'll just read it to you here um, today by, by that, I mean, Tuesday, when we're here recording the podcast, where he said, I'm telling you guys, 18 to 22-year-olds can't handle the negative side of things. And we have to, I'm asking you guys, I'm asking for your help. We need to be more positive. I know we can play better. You know we can play better, but we've got to give these kids more positive things because we have a great locker room and the kids do care about each other. We've got kids that love each other and coaches that believe in these kids. We can't give up on them. So that quote got a lot of attention because basically, I mean, when he says, I need your help, I'm asking for your help. He's talking to us as the media, perhaps also thinking, talking directly to the fans, right? Because it is a press conference uh, setting. And I think a lot of people just didn't like the general idea of that, but I mean, to me, I think a lot of this just goes back to they felt like they had some some locker room issues with negativity last year, and now they have all these losses building up. Um, it just feels like there there is definitely a concern right now about letting the negativity and some of the outside noise get to you because it has been a while since they've won a Big 12 game. Yeah, you got to have a stronger mentality than that, right? Good luck with trying to control other people. You can't, yeah. you know, it's all about what you do inside the locker room, right? Just, you know, block out the noise and go play football. So there's, you know, maybe you can talk to K-State Nation and they'll be a little bit nicer. But I can tell you right now, Sooner Nation, Cowboy Nation, Cyclones, they're going to eat you alive any chance they get. And that's just the reality of life. And so um, if they beat you, they're going to talk trash. And so until you start winning games, that's just what we're up against. And so um, as a player, I could care less what people think. My job is to go out there and make plays. And so I'm not looking for people to pat me on the back and say, oh, you did great this game. Like, the job is to go make plays, and that's what you're out there for. And if you're not making plays, the person behind you needs to make plays. That's just the the way the business is. It's, it's sports. Um, and so the goal is to go be competitive, right? Um, we, we can't have that mentality where everybody gets a trophy. It's just not what it is, right? We That's that's just generation is to some uh, extent. And I think you've seen some of the older coaches say, come on, guys. Like, you know, everybody doesn't get a trophy. and But that's just how the world is right now. So you've got to find a way to keep plugging as a player, just internally, block out the noise, do your job, go be competitive and make a difference, right? Be the hero, um, whatever that takes. And so I, we've got the talent to do that. Like I said, the conversation would be different, even if we played the same and won the game, but because we lost the game and not even looking at last year, right? Last year was such an odd year, right? With injuries and COVID and everything. But this year, what you can say on paper is we haven't had a chance to win a big 12 game. We're 0-3. That should ring a bell, right? I don't know when the last time you know, Kansas State lost three straight games outside of last year, right? But, you know, those moments don't really happen much for Kansas State, let alone in the Big 12. 
And so we just got to find a way to, to, to keep pushing. Like I said, I want to see us play a complete game. Is it um, obtainable? Yes. You know, we just got to find a way to get it done. And so I'm all about hard coaching and putting pressure on guys and, and go make it happen, right? Pressure bust pipes, either they in or out. Well, so I, I would actually – you can tell me if this comparison is apt at all, but what comes to mind when I think about it, you played on the 2001 team, right, where you guys have been winning a ton of games, and then that team winds up, what, six, six and five, six and six maybe with the bull loss? Yeah. Um, what, what was it like battling some of the issues at that point as, as losses bound up when you're, you're definitely not used to it and, and there is some outside noise? Yep, that was a hard year. Um, that was my senior year as well, right? And you just found yourself arguing about things that you never would argue about, right? You, you're fussing at people that didn't get a block, right? The quarterback's not throwing the ball in the right spot or um, all of those things seem to come into play. And then it becomes a little bit harder to do the natural things that you would do. And so because of that, um, I can understand that there's probably going to be uh, some frustration just between players naturally, right? You're losing. I mean, that's, that's just the expectation. Everybody's not going to be nice, right? And so um, you just got to figure out what is it that we can do as a team to get us back on track, right? And so I don't know that answer, honestly. It's, it's just one of those things where you keep working your butt off at practice. You listen. You watch film. Um, you try to make sure that when you go down and play in Lubbock, you understand all the ins and outs of what takes place. Find your mismatches and take advantage of that. And so we've got to get our leaders to be leaders. This is a time they need to step up, right, offensive and defensively. Bring the young guys along. Would you be vocal? Um, but lead by example, right? You got to go out there and you got to produce. That's just what it is. And so um, excited to watch them play. We've got talent. I get it, right? We just haven't had a good last three weeks overall when it comes to the win-loss uh, column. But um, I'm 100% behind our guys. We'll keep plugging. Just got to get a win here shortly. Well, there are a couple of things that I like about the fact the K-State is going to Texas Tech next. I mean, one, I think Texas Tech's record is is deceiving. They're they're five and two, but their schedule, if you go look at their schedule, I mean, after this game against K-State, it's hard to find a win the rest of the way <laughs> on the schedule for Texas Tech. The stretch yeah. that K-State just went through, Texas Tech has that plus Baylor. So they are going to be in a in a world of trouble when it comes to the back half of their schedule. And that's sometimes it feels frustrating, like, okay, well, if, if K-State could have had the schedule flip-flops, would that have built momentum? And then you have a better chance perhaps to win some of those bigger games. Nothing you can do about that, but I digress. Right. Uh, Texas Tech, I do think, is not, you know, they're a little bit inflated because of that record right now, and they just played Kansas last week. The other thing I like is that the game's at 11, and, like, playing a road game at a place like Tech, I'd just way rather have the game be at 11, where hopefully the <laughs> crowd is more lethargic. Right. You know, everybody has all day to drink their 360 vodka and get ready to go, right, and be really into it at night. I think you have a better chance probably of winning a game at 11 a.m. in this sort of spot. And bigger picture, I mean, Tech's been dealing with a lot of noise, too, because Matt Wells is not a real popular guy, their head coach there right now. And I think the expectation this year was kind of bull game or bust uh, for Wells that he was going to have to get there. So there, there's a lot of fan frustration in Lubbock, too. They're not exactly fired up about the position that they're in. So all that to say, I mean, I think this is a very, very winnable game for K-State on Saturday. I agree. I mean, and as we said here lately, all the games have been winnable. And so we've got to figure out a way just to just cross the finish line and get it done. And so offensively, I love the combination. I keep mentioning it, Deuce and Irvin. Like those two right there are one-two punch, right? Continue to lean on those guys. We've got to control the ball. We've got to make sure that we get those third down plays, get the tight end involved a little bit more. You know, he's kind of disappeared a little bit, and maybe that's just based on how the offense has been run. 
based on us being behind and having to call certain plays. But we'll love to see us continue to utilize, you know, Brooks and, and, and Weber um, just across the board and, and hand it off to Deuce and Irvin. Um, those are things that we've done consistently well throughout the year. We just got to find a way to win the field position and get off defensively on third down. If we can do those two things, I think we have a chance to, to really win this game. But we can't start off slow. It just doesn't work, right? On the road, um, Texas Tech, who definitely can always pass the ball, top tight, I mean, top receiver that they have over there um, with Eric. And they've, they've just got to find a way to continue to, to put themselves in position to win. But we need to come out and have one of those games where, yes, maybe it's a 100-yard receiver and a 100-yard rusher. Um, that's just what we need. It's, it's time for that game to show up for us. And a game that might be personal for Skylar Thompson. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he has in store because – this was a game last year, obviously, Texas Tech, where he got knocked out for the year. And mm -hmm. Rico Jeffers was the guy who had that hit. You can debate whether or not that was a little bit dirty. I mean, Khalid Duke had kind of rolled up on Texas Tech's starting quarterback before that, and I think there was probably some element of retribution right. there. But um, either way, I can remember talking to Skyler at Big 12 Media Days about this, both he and Rico Jeffers, because they were both there. And Skyler kind of said the right things, but you could just tell, I mean, <laughs> it, it means something to him. And he definitely right. played that this week at the press conference. He was not thinking about that. I think there's a lot more on his mind here at this point. But, you know, as a player, like, that that has to be fairly personal, right? If you just got – you lost an entire year last year. We all know how hard that was on Skyler. And it came because of a borderline hit from a guy who's going to be in the game again this year. I mean, I, I would think that has to be the thing, that, the type of thing that really lights a fire under you. Yeah, I mean, it's the game within the game. But I honestly, I don't think there's any personal vendetta against one another, right? I don't even think they know each – I don't know. But maybe they don't even know each other that well, right? Maybe it was just a play that took place. But as you mentioned, Skylar has enough things on his plate that he really wants to focus on, right? As as a leader and the commander of the offense, you know, I think these losses, he's like, come on, guys, this is not who we are. And so looking for him to continue to do what he can do, right? Lead, lead this team. And I'm looking for these guys to follow. And so – um, just as excited as always to see this game this weekend is just I just want us to start faster. We just we just have to start faster. We need to start like we started with OU, right? But even with that start, right? Here comes the fumble. Like it's always this one thing that just kind of crushes the way that we start. And so we've got to figure out a way to get over that. Um, limit those mistakes. Um, you know, the coaches are putting us in good positions. Um, and then we need some studs to be studs. That's that's just about as honest as you can be. Um, the guys that we expect to be ballers need to ball out. Um, and all game, you know, that's just where that's where we are in the season right now. The possibility is definitely there for this team to get on a run. If they can just get this win and get over the hump. I mean, I right. really like the way the schedule starts to set up with TCU and Kansas, West Virginia after that all coming up, like two of those games are at home. The other one's in Lawrence, which, you know, will probably feel halfway like a home game with how many K-State right. fans will be there. So, like, this this truly does – it truly does lighten up the schedule here. But I think the key, as we've alluded to many times here in this podcast, is just getting over the hump, getting that win so you can kind of exhale, get some confidence back, and everything hopefully will start to flow a little bit from there. There are a lot of teams I just – I mean, look, Kansas is getting drilled every week. Uh, <laughs> TCU, I just – I read an article yesterday from um, – some TCU media folks that like are frustrated with Gary Patterson and kind of want him to, to get out. Um, that's the situation right now in Fort Worth. They're really frustrated. Neil Brown. I mean, West Virginia has had a very disappointing year. And I think there's a lot of frustration with Mountaineer fans about Neil, Neil Brown. So, you know, you're about to take on some teams here that are very much in the same kind of boat. So 
That is the message that I would try to preach here. A little bit of patience for everybody before then the end of the season is Baylor and Texas, and that'll definitely be tough. But you come out of that seven and three or, you know, even six and four, I think this team will be feeling a lot better about itself and have a much better chance, you know, a couple games of the year. All right. Well, any final thoughts, Aaron, here before we sign off? You know what? We've got to get Knowles and Brooks uh, and How involved. We got to air it out. We've got to start moving the chains. We need some big plays, and so looking for more posts, more post corners, over routes, anything plus twenty. Uh, let Skyler air it out a little bit, and I think eventually I'll open up the run game. So if we can get that done, catching the ball well, we just need some of those big shots early, and uh, we'll get started. So looking forward to seeing them play well this weekend. All right, 11 a.m. at uh, Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock. We'll be back at it next week here to break down everything that happens between K-State and Texas Tech. Shout out to 360 Vodka Holiday Distillery once again for all of their support. Make sure that you get that in the action in the tailgate or by the TV, wherever it is that you're going to be watching K-State and Texas Tech this weekend. For Tucker Franklin behind the scenes and Aaron Lockett, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for checking out another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We'll see you next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.